Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health, bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants, nutrition, exercise, my yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale, mental health, and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital, empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy, just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting live from my kitchen, coast to coast across the USA and all 200 of our affiliates. If you're wondering why I'm broadcasting from my kitchen, my producer, Mark Groves, uh, is it in his kitchen? Actually, he's actually in his studio at home. But having said that, our studios are closed. So we are having to work remotely like so many other Americans. And this show, as I said, is coming to you live from my kitchen instead of the intercom studios where I typically broadcast. So the sound quality is going to be a little different. We're doing this over the phone, uh, over my iPhone Max. So uh, that's how we're doing the show today. So if it does sound a little bit different, that's why. Uh, information, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do that. Instagram is Carrie Hall. You can also do it on Facebook at America's Healthcare Advocate or Carrie Hall, either one of those, C-A-R-Y Hall. You can follow me on either one of those. Also, all of these shows <clears throat> are podcasts. So they're podcasts um, on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. If you want to go up and tell somebody about the show, uh, you can do that. If you want to tell them to listen to it or you like to listen to podcasts, this is a great way to do it. The website is americashealthcareadvocate.com. <clears throat> you can send me an email from there um, if you choose to do so, um, and we'll be happy to respond back to you. Um, in addition to that, uh, if you need health insurance help, uh, you can always call um, are 877-385-2224 and ask for the lovely Joyce Thompson. She will be happy to help you. All right. So today's show is obviously different and surprise, surprise. What am I going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about the COVID, coronavirus, the China virus, whatever you're calling it. Um, <clears throat> that's what we're going to discuss today. Okay, and I'm going to try to give you some diverse information here. I'm going to give you some good news based on facts. Uh, I'm going to give you some humor you're going to find interesting. I'll give you some information on what to do when you're stuck at home. How can you work out at home? And insight into what's being done to fight this virus. To fight this virus. So we're going to talk about all of that um, and, and try to give you a little perspective on this. So, you know, we're going to talk about the economy. Uh, and my sources on the economy, obviously, the Wall Street Journal, uh, Morgan Stanley, uh, Mike Wilson, who is the national expert, Morgan Stanley, you typically see him on CNBC, um, the Epic Times, the new newspaper that I'm taking uh, that I find very interesting. Uh, actually, it's a very great paper. It's called Epic, E-P-O-C-H, Times, if you're interested, it's a weekly newspaper. I really like it. The Wall Street Journal, as I said, the New York Times and 
the lovely Kansas City Star, a local paper here. So, you know, what are we doing here? What's going on? And, And how does this compare with some of the things that we've dealt with in the past? And I'm going to give you a little perspective here that I think you might be you might find interesting. Uh, in 1957 and 1958, we had a huge uh, flu epidemic in this country, so huge that it killed 70,000 people. That's right, 70,000 people were killed in the 57-58 epidemic. So we've seen this movie before. I spoke to a doctor yesterday that said they had gone back to look at the flu epidemic of 1918 and how that affected um, uh, uh, the the world at the time and our our country. So the reason why I'm telling you that is a lot of that information that was gathered then is being used today. For instance, believe it or not, the social distancing, distancing issue and the wash your hands issue and the sanitize issue they started doing that in 1918, did it again in 1957 and 1958. So, like I said, we've seen this movie before. Here are some of the things you want to keep in mind. You know, one of the things I'm going to do today is I'm going to debunk a lot of things that are being said out there in the media that are not correct. Uh, and I'm going to use facts to do that. I'm going to use the experts like Dr. Fauci, Dr. Deborah Brick. Uh, some of the other people, some of the doctors and hospitals that I've talked to around the country. I spent quite a bit of time yesterday on the phone with doctors talking about this. What's going on in the hospitals? How are they dealing with it? How did they ramp up? What are you not hearing behind the scenes? So we're going to talk about all of that today uh, as I try to put this in perspective for you. So let's take a look at what happened in South Korea. This is kind of interesting because we're hearing you know, some people are saying that we're going to have a 9.2 or above um, death rate as a, as a result of, of this, not death rate, excuse me, infection rate as a result of this virus. If we look at the South Korean model where 250,000 tests were done, they had actually a 3% actual people that actually had the virus. So the number was much closer to 3%. It certainly was at 9.2 or 9.1% like you're hearing from some people in the media. So that's important to understand because as this thing starts to flatten out and we start to see more test results and more test results, and you're gonna hear me today refer to Dr. Deborah Bricks a lot because she's truly an expert and I'll talk about her in the next segment of the show in detail. But what we're, once we see that data, we'll start to have a much better understanding for how this is going to work. Um, and, and those numbers, the way I look at this now and what I'm reading and looking at from all my sources, including doctors, ER nurses, uh, first responders, everybody, is they expect this thing to peak. It should be peaking about now, okay, as you're listening to this broadcast, and then they expect it to level off. And the reason that it peaked like this was because we were so far behind on the test. Well, the backlog is cleared up now. Um, and, and, and the testing is moving forward at a very rapid rate. And we'll talk about that again um, a, a, a little later in the show, what's being done and how is all that working. So it's important to understand that and, and try to put this in perspective. Um, some other things I think that are interesting in talking with medical professionals, the level of expertise, the, the, the pharmaceutical work, the, 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 the quality of information being delivered 
digitally and, and, and through computers and the internet and models and all the rest of it is so much more advanced than what we saw in 1918, obviously, and 1957 and 58. So, you know, that gives you some idea of a little bit of where we are with this thing and, and what I'm hearing from experts and, and see overall in terms of how this is all going to pan out. How is it going to affect the economy? Well, I'll go back to Mike Wilson at Morgan Stanley uh, and a number of other experts from the Wall Street Journal, Ethic Times, and other sources that I have listened to uh, and, and on, there was a private call with Morgan Stanley yesterday, and I was able to get some additional perspective. This is the second one they've had. They're predicting a V-shaped recovery, and what does that mean? That means we declined extremely rapidly, okay, um, and then uh, we start to go back up again, and we go back up just as rapidly. That is the prediction, um, and, and I think that's what we're going to see happen uh, the economy was strong going into this. The banking system is strong. The Fed acted quickly. Jerome Powell acted very quickly uh, to pump money into the system uh, for liquidity. And now we have a 2.6, I think it's $2.6 trillion stimulus package uh, that has been passed and gone through. A little personal perspective. I am no financial planner and I am no economic genius. You've got enough uh, money shows on these networks across the country, uh, financial advisors giving you advice, and I'm certainly not doing that. I will tell you personally, I bought stock. You know, I, I believe in the Warren Buffett theory. When it's on sale, you buy it. Um, and it has been on sale. So I bought stocks. I bought, a, I bought Thermo Labs as an example. Uh, one of the companies that's ramping up their testing and, and pushing out these tests. And I'll talk a little bit about them as well. Back to the economy. Um, again, after listening to Mike Wilson and listening to a lot of other experts in, in the Wall Street Journal and other places, we do expect to see this economy come back very quickly. Um, the market jumped, uh, you know, had the highest uh, uh, gain in uh, 50 years the other day uh, in one day. So, again, I think we're going to see it come back. When I come back after the break, we will get into more of this. I'm going to talk about the 37 states that have 500 or less cases and why they might be the candidates to uh, open their states back up for business by Easter. So stay tuned. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIE Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast from my kitchen. That's right. Because our studios are closed, Mark Gross, my producer, is working from his home studio, and I am broadcasting from my kitchen on the phone, by the way. If it sounds a little different, that's why. Also, I'm recovering from a small case of pneumonia that I had about three weeks ago, so that coughing that you're hearing intermittently is that I'm getting over this one way or the other. So welcome back. We're glad you're listening to the show today. Again, our topic is coronavirus, COVID-19, the China virus, whatever you're calling it, that's what we're talking about, the Wuhan virus, whatever you're calling it. So we're going to continue that conversation here on the show. If you are, by the way, interested in the Wabi Brain Scan, our website, brainhealthscan.com, 
Uh, we've got a brand new website we just launched with a ton of information up there. There's also a plug-and-play system uh, for uh, providers up there that I think you'll find definitely interesting. The phone number, if you want to talk to Steve about any of this, uh, you can, in fact, do that by uh, calling 833-804-3334, 833-804-3334. Uh, the uh, brain scan program that, that uh, we are doing is quite remarkable, actually. It uh, works for concussions, um, data, and predictive modeling, if you will, for Alzheimer's, dementia, et cetera. So brainhealthscan.com, if you want to learn more about that, uh, feel free to do so. And if you're a provider, like I said, we've got a plug-and-play system, 833-804-3334. All right. So let's go back to this, this comment the president made that seemed to draw a lot of ire from our friends in the media that he wanted to open up by Easter. He's projecting that we should be able to open up some of these states. I want to put that in perspective. This is kind of interesting. 37 states have less than 500 cases, 37 states. So you've got, you've got hot spots in New York, California, Washington, Michigan. Go down the list. There, there, there are definitely you know seven or eight states that seem to have the preponderance of this. But does it make sense to lock down states like Kansas, Montana, West Virginia, North Dakota, some of these states have less than 100 people diagnosed with the virus. So why should they have to shut down? Um, it seems to me that if, if what the president is proposing there probably makes sense. And as I've heard him say on more than one occasion, he's not going to make that decision in a vacuum. He's going to make that decision, and I've heard him say this, um, on the advice of Dr. Bricks and Dr. Fauci, who evidently spent a lot of time in the Oval Office with him. So, again, I want to, you know, the media likes to jump on these things and, and, and take them out of context and try to make it sound like it's an irresponsible and I'm not defending the president here. I'm trying again to give you information that makes sense. 37 states, less than 500 cases, okay? And, and many states have less than 100 cases. So those states should be allowed, in my opinion, to go back to some form of normalcy. Maybe we continue social distancing. Maybe you limit restaurants, sit-downs, uh, you know, to you have to have six feet apart in a restaurant or 10 people or whatever it is. But there, there should be a way to get those people back and go back to work, as the president said. So I think that that certainly merits some discussion. All right. So, you know, I think in times like these, we could use a little humor. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you an article on the Wall Street Journal called The Great Toilet Paper Scare. OK, uh, th this is really interesting. You know, you don't see a lot of good news out there um, and there hasn't been a tremendous amount of it. But there is some of this that is somewhat humorous. And that deals with people hoarding toilet paper. So in Florida, where else? It's, uh, the article says police arrested a man after a security guard at an Orlando Marriott found him with 60 rolls of the hotel's toilet paper, which, you know, what did he do? Go from room to room and get them? Anyway, they found that in his car and they arrested him for stealing toilet paper out of the Marriott. In Nebraska, the Department of Transportation closed down the unintended, re unattended rest stops on I-80 because drivers were pilfering this is hilarious, pilfering toilet paper out of the uh, out of the rest stop. And the most interesting one of all is in North Carolina, where a stolen 18-wheeler was tracked to a warehouse, and they found out that it was being used to transport 18,000 pounds of stolen toilet paper. So there you have it, folks. There is no industry shortage on toilet paper. 
but uh, it is somewhat humorous. There's also some pretty, there, there's, there's some interesting pieces up on Facebook. There's a lady who's making a cocktail. If you've seen this one, this is the one where she screams into the orange. It's absolutely hilarious. So if you, if you want a little humor, that's not a bad idea. I, I think you'll find it interesting. Here's some good news. 16 companies are currently working on a vaccine, including a plasma vaccine, which basically means they're going to take an antibody from the blood of people that have recovered from this or fought it off. So you've got 16 companies working on this, companies like Pfizer, Gilead, uh, CSK, Heat Biologic, not just to name a few of these. All right. And you know what? Uh, they're going to find a cure. The doctors that I have talked to, and I've talked to a lot of them around the country, believe that in the next couple of weeks, this thing will start to flatten out. And they honestly believe that before we get to the next flu season, we will have a vaccine for this. So, you know, Bernie Sanders talked about those crooks in the in the pharmaceutical industry. Well, those crooks in the pharmaceutical industry may well save the world from a reoccurring virus with this vaccine. And I honestly believe that we'll have this vaccine long before we get to uh, the flu season next year. So, you know, those are just some of the things that are going on. Some of, you know, some other additional good news. Uh, companies like Starbucks offering free coffee to first responders. Um, and Hertz is offering free cars to New York City health workers. Google and IBM are developing software to track data and results to help measure this info that you hear Dr. Bricks talk about all the time and how critically important that is. So there, there is some other um, uh, information I thought you might find of interest. I certainly did. Um, it's not all doom and gloom out there. You know, there, there, there are a lot of good things going on. And I think people need to understand that. You know, a little bit about Dr. Bricks for a minute. I, I think she's absolutely a fascinating woman. Uh, if you've seen her, she, she always wears the beautiful scarves and stands on the platform there with the president. Um, she is the doctor that the president talked about. Uh, and I did not know who she was when he said early on he was recalling one of the world's greatest experts uh, from Africa to come back to the United States. And that was her. She spent 20 years in the military. Um, and worked at the Pentagon on uh, global. She's a global health expert in immunology and vaccines. And uh, Dr. Briggs has led uh, the fight against HIV and AIDS since 2014. She's been an ambassador at large at the State Department. And uh, and here's why uh, that she she is the person uh, that, that that they're really uh, counting on, along with Dr. Fauci. She is able, they say, to coordinate across many agencies. Dr. Bricks, I said, served 20 years in the Army, retired from there as a colonel, and worked at Walter Reed Army Center before that. Um, and she was in charge of control and prevention of disease. She also was appointed by, Doc, by President Bush um, and, and did a lot of work uh, with him and was a holdover into the Obama administration and now a holdover from the Obama administration into the Trump administration. She drives a hard program. One of her colleagues is quoted as saying, and she expects outcomes uh, and she has a vision of what needs to happen. And I think anybody that listens to her on that platform, especially as she responds to the media, you have to appreciate who she is and what she's doing. She's truly a warrior. Stay tuned. I'll be back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. I'll be back with more.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. If you want to find out more about us, go to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you are at all interested in the WAVI brain scan uh, and its applications for uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, those issues, PTSD, depression, also tremendous tool in terms of evaluating concussion protocol, the website brainhealthscan.com. Uh, it's a really simple machine to use, and it's extremely affordable if you're a provider. Um, it's a great tool to have um, in your practice. Um, again, the web- website is brainhealthscan.com, and the phone number 833-804-3334. Uh, my partner, Steve Sanborn, takes those calls and would be happy to chat with you. Just a quick back with Dr. Bricks for a minute. You know, this lady is really quite amazing. You see all those colorful scarves she wears? She collects those as she travels around the country. She said it makes her feel good to be able to uh, put those on and she considers those part of the world community. It's very interesting. She's a fascinating lady. And when I talk to doctors about her, they have enormous respect for her. And why am I telling you all this? Because I think it's important to understand that she and Dr. Fauci are truly experts in this and they really know what they're doing. Um, you know, she began feeding general, uh, began feeding general epidemics and modeling data into her colleagues, getting them from her colleagues around the world, and, and she's doing this. You hear her often talk about data and how important it is, and it's that data that she's using, and you're going to hear more about that as we go through the show and how that works. So, you know, all Americans, she said this, and I think this is extremely important for us to understand. There's a lot going on, but all Americans have a role to play. <clears throat> Social distancing, sanitizing, um, you know, you, you probably think this is somewhat humorous, but I don't bring a grocery package in this house or a takeout food package. This house. I don't wipe down with a sanitizer. And the, you know, the, the reason, and I'm sitting here with a, with, a, with a tube of Clorox disinfecting wipes on my kitchen counter. Use your head. The way we're going to bend the curve on this, again, this is Dr. Bricks, is by people social distancing, quarantining themselves if they get this or have issues with it, and by constantly sanitizing and, and slowing the progress of it. And that's exactly um, <clears throat> the message that I want to give you. And, and here are some other things that I think are interesting. You know, we hear these comments coming out of people. I think this was uh, Governor Cuomo said this uh, uh, several weeks ago, or at least a week or two ago, that he thought 60 to 70% of the people were going to be infected uh, with the virus. Well, I'm going to put that in perspective for you, and I'm going to use Dr. Bricks to do it. She said, yes, that would be absolutely correct. The media was asking her this question uh, in, in one of the press conferences. She said, it is correct, 60 to 7% if you project 2020, 2021, and 2022. If there's no social distancing, no quarantine, and no vaccine, do you really think that's going to happen? No. So put it in perspective. And she said, and she told this to the reporter, you need to stop scaring the American public with this kind of commentary because it's not realistic, okay? It's not realistic. Uh, we are doing much better than that, and, and uh, w- there's an enormous amount of effort going into this. It's going to make a big difference. Let me talk a little bit about some of that from some of the medical providers, the doctors that I've talked to around the country. You know, you don't hear a lot about this, what's going on behind the scenes. You know, I talked to one doctor. They, they started working on... Friday, the Friday that this all kind of broke, worked all through the weekend to repurpose their hospital. This is a major hospital system here in Kansas City. Worked all weekend 
uh, to set up a specialized ICU. They took their cardio unit and converted it into a special ICU at one of the hospitals in order to create enough beds. And she said, this is going on around the country. They also bought ventilators and there are ventilators available for purchase and they bought them. So, you know, again, this comment about, you know, and this came from Governor Cuomo again, they're going to need 20,000 ventilators. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you Dr. Brix's response to that. Yes, if 3 million people got the virus, you would need 20,000 ventilators. You're not going to need 20,000 ventilators in New York. That's not going to happen because it's not realistic. You don't have 3 million people that are going to get the virus in New York City. And I think you've probably already seen that curve start to flatten some. So, again, this stuff needs to be put in perspective. You know, here's another thing. I constantly see these stories. Uh, I saw several of them in the Kansas City Star over the last couple of weeks, even the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, personal stories of people who could, couldn't get tests. Well, let me give you a little personal information. Um, I mentioned thermal labs that I had purchased at stock. Well, a friend of mine, uh, advised that his company had access to those test kits through Thermalabs. So I called a couple of providers, uh, clinic providers, care center providers, and said, hey, I, I just want to tell you that I think that these could be made available. Um, I've, I've got the ability to connect you with these people that are, that are getting these directly from Thermalabs. If you want them, the, the, the chief operating officer of, of this particular company told me, Carrie, we've had four different offers on those in the last two days, and we had them in our clinics a week ago. And this is at the very beginning of the virus scare. So what you're hearing about the test kits aren't available, that, that, that is not true. Um, you've got 70, 75,000 people a day being tested right now. So th this business about the test kits aren't available is not true. Here's what I heard. Um, again, this was from another doctor who I had a conversation with. And here's what she said. People need to stop being stupid. This is a quote, okay? If you don't display symptoms, don't show up at the ER, don't show up at the urgent care and demand a test. That needs to stop because you're clogging up the system. Furthermore, you can go online and, and do a virtual doctor's appointment and they are very accurate. And, and I spoke again to the doctors that are doing this. They're diagnosing you online and, and the symptoms you have, and then they make a recommendation that you get a test. You're not going to get a test if you don't go through the protocol and a doctor doesn't order it. So you can't just show up or call 911. You will believe that, but that's actually happening, and tell people that you need a test. Go, you know, there are virtual doctor visits available on all the major medical websites for hospitals um, and for insurance carriers and um, for Medicare on Medicare.gov, uh, Medicare is covering these as well. So there's no reason you can't connect with the doctor virtually and find out if you've got a problem or you don't have a problem. So I think that's kind of important. People need to understand that. Again, as I said, you know, you've got 12,000 people a day being tested or more in New York City, a total of 75,000 uh, people being tested across the country. And, you know, you, 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 you heard Governor Cuomo again, and I'm spending a lot of time talking about him because New York's the number one hotspot, complaining about initially the lack of hospital beds, et cetera. The very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal called New York's Ailing Hospitals. 20-some hospitals have closed in New York City over the last two decades, most located in low-income communities. 
statewide, the number of hospital beds per capita fell 13% since 2010, according to the Kaiser Foundation. Not exactly a right-wing think tank, okay? Think tank, okay? The number of beds across the USA has decreased due to declining demand for care and has shifted to lower-cost outpatient centers. But New York's hospitals have been closing due to financial duress uh, amid increasing demand for low-income patients. Blame New York's miserly Medicaid program that reimburses providers uh, for care at an average compensated to 56% of what Medicare provides. Let me put that in perspective. They're paying about half of what Medicare pays. And I've told you about this before. There are three levels of payment in this country. The first being private health insurance. It pays at the highest rate back to providers. The second being Medicare. And the third being Medicaid, which pays at or below. Well, New York cut there significantly, and they're only doing 56%. And that's one of the reasons why they have a shortage of hospital beds, although that has been addressed now. Okay, But while expanding the Medicaid enrollment, Mr. Cuomo in 2014 sought to rationalize the cost of an $8 billion federal grant for punitive payment reforms at reducing ERs. He said it will mean that the hospital beds will be reduced. Well, that's exactly what happened. So, you know, there's a lot more to this than just what's going on today. Um, and you've heard the president talk about it. You've heard a lot of people talk about it. The system was not ready for this. Nobody anticipated this. Um, and the question is, how well are we responding? I think the overall answer to that question is we're responding pretty well. When you look at what's going on in this country, I just talked about 75,000 tests being done per day. Um, the backlog is cleared up. Dr. Bricks, again, uh, made that comment here a week or so ago. So we are uh, moving forward with this, and we're doing a really good job. Um, and I think we're going to come out of this and come out of it stronger than we have been, and we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn an awful lot. If you listen to the doctors around the country, uh, they're learning a lot right now. So when I come back from the break, we'll wrap it up with final thoughts. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA radio network, you can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com americashealthcareadvocate.com. And if you want information on the Wabi Brain Scan, go to the website, brainhealthscan.com, brainhealthscan.com. If you're looking for a scan, maybe you've got a child with a concussion issue, or maybe you're a seasoned citizen like me and you think you may have a cognitive issue, brainhealthscan.com. If you're a provider, uh, we've got a plug-and-play system that's uh, pretty affordable and pretty amazing. Phone number 833-804-3334. You will speak to Steve Sanborn, my partner. All right, so let's let's continue on. Here's some other good news. There's been a lot of conversation about this 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 particular medication uh, that has been talked about by the president and and a lot of people I think in the media poo pooed it. However, it turns out that the anti-malarial drug known as hydrochloroquine, and I'm, hopefully I got that right, um, is not a silver bullet, but it's deployed quickly. Uh, and strategically, the drug could potentially help bend the pandemic hockey stick curve. And this article, again, from the Wall Street Journal, is by Dr. Jeff Collier and Dr. Daniel Hintborn. Uh, a little bit about who they are. Uh, Dr. Collier is a practicing physician and chairman of the National Advisory Commission on, 
on Rural Health, and Dr. Henborn is the director of the Division of Infectious Disease at the University of Kansas Medical Center, which, by the way, is one of the premier medical centers in the country uh, on a number of things like Alzheimer's and others. So both these doctors are, um, are experts. <clears throat> Let me continue on with this because I think it's important. Hydrochloric quinine, I'm terrible with this name, is commonly known as Plaquenil. That's the actual brand name. In 2005, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention study showed that chloroquine analog could block virus penetrating uh, cells uh, if administered um, before exposure. They went on to, on March 9th, team, and you're hearing, you know, you've heard the word anecdotal, and I saw a, a movie star, I can't remember his name, it was an Asian movie star the other day, who did a piece on Facebook and said, I took this and it stopped it cold, uh, and he got well in six days. Um, and he said, put me in the anecdotal category. But I want to continue to read. This is uh, important information. On March 9th, a team of research in China published results showing that this particular medication was effective against the 2019 uh, coronavirus. All right, so, number, so now we have a study and we have data. Let's keep going. On a more recent French study, the drug in combination with erythromycin, as mo which most people know as the ZPAC, and by the way, I just finished taking one of those because I had pneumonia again, uh, that a combination of those two make a big difference. In, in researchers in France found that a small number of patients with the ZPAC uh, and the hydrochlorine um, had 100% recovery. Uh, they were cured in six days when they took this stuff. So let's say it only helps 20% of the people. How impactful is that going to be? Well, I think it's going to be pretty impactful. Uh, they, they said compare this to 52.7% of the patients uh, being treated with the, with the disease alone uh, and 12.5 who've received neither. So that they think that this definitely uh, will make a difference and can make a difference. And, that it, and it, again, it's not a silver bullet but it is a way to bend the curve, and that's why you're seeing it deployed. I believe 12,000 of these were sent to New York City the other day, um, and Governor Cuomo is using them. So <clears throat> they have faith this is going to make a difference. Dr. Bricks talked about it, and Dr. Fauci talked about it. And they've got to see what the data is, but it does look like it's going to make a difference. So what the doctors here are saying is that we have a drug with excellent safety profile, limited clinical outcomes, and uh, there are no better alternatives right now for the moment. Okay, they can use this treatment to save lives and prevent others becoming infected. That's really the, the takeaway on this. So there, there's some more good news for you. All right, here's some of my closing thoughts on this whole thing. Number one, if you're stuck at home uh, and you want to do some things, uh, do some online yoga classes. Our yoga Pilates instructor is doing online classes. Dana Goodall, I'm sure you can go up online and, and download. I saw pictures of people doing classes at home. Great idea. Okay, here's another thing I thought was interesting. I went out the other day to get takeout at P.F. Chang's. I live in the middle of the city. There's a huge park about three blocks from my house. You could not find a parking place around that park. There were so many people out. It was a beautiful day. It was 70 degrees. And there were a ton of people out walking. And they were keeping their distances. But they were out and about. And in my neighborhood, this is interesting. And I live in a 100-year-old house in a historic district. People were sitting out in lawn chairs on the curbs, just talking to people as they pass by. I've seen more families out walking with their children and their dogs than I have ever seen. You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, maybe we're going to see some good come out of this. Maybe people are going to 
put down the phones, put down the computers, stop doing the emails till 10 o'clock at night and spend some time with their families. Get out and be with your family. Take a walk, walk your dog, interact with a neighbor, you know, do all the things you're supposed to do. Social distancing, you know, washing our hands, sanitizing, all the rest of it. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, and I've talked to a number of people about this, I think some good's going to come out of this from the standpoint of forcing us to reconnect. You know, I also want to say thank you to all the people working in the grocery stores. And I'm actually telling them that when I go to the grocery store, thanking them for being there um, and thanking UPS for, for their delivery men, FedEx, DHL. When I went to P.F. Chang's, I had a nice chat with the young lady uh, at the takeout counter. And um, I, I put a nice tip on the bill and I over tipped and I think we should all do that. And it was great to see these restaurants open and be able to get some takeout food. My wife's been cooking like crazy during this whole thing and we need a little break. So, um, you know, that's another thing that I think is important. That's a great way to support restaurants is to go get the takeout. Um, and some of these kitchens are humming. I mean, I went into a, a pizza restaurant here and they were so busy. It was unbelievable how busy they were pushing out orders. Um, and, you know, the overall tone, I think people are being more polite to each other. I think they're, they're, they're acting uh, in, in, in a responsible manner. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm 70 years old. I've seen a lot of things go on in this country. I went in the military and I was 19 and deployed to Vietnam. I was a police officer. Um, in Washington, D.C. during all the civil unrest regarding the Vietnam War and all the rest of it. You know, we saw 9-11. We've seen events like this before, but you've always seen this country come back. And you look at the innovation. Look at all the things I talked about today. Look at the positive side of this, because we will get through this, and we will come back, and we'll be a lot stronger than we were before. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, folks. I greatly appreciate it today. And now I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish as fools. I guess that message should resonate now. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare.